0: everyone producer ryan here michael and abadessi are taking a summer break so over the next month we're going to compile some themed episodes for you to get you through the summer today's episode is all about navigating job disruption protecting yourself and your future as always join in the conversation on twitter using the hashtag techish first up we revisit the story of bird firing 400 of their employees over zoom
1: Burge covered um, the layoffs that were announced uh, over at Burge. So the first thing was the way they did it. Okay. So how crazy Mm. is this? They got 400 employees on a Zoom webinar and then not even the CEO, not even the CEO, like the head of communications read from a script, letting them know that they'd all been laid off. And the next thing, their computers were locked off and they lost access to everything.
2: Apparently, there was a person who was part of the IT team that wrote the code that would lock you out of the webinar and all of your accounts, whatever. And in the process of doing it, yeah. um, he ran the code and then he was locked out <laughs> because he didn't realize that actually he was, he was, one was one part of the four 400- hundred. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I shouldn't even laugh, but it's, like, it's, it's comical, Like honestly. Um, That's so what what do you dark. Do you do? So when you... You come into work, you having, a, or you don't come into work. You're at home, you're signed in, you're excited. Yeah, hold on, everybody. Zoom call, everybody join in. Like, you really believe in the mission, you're excited. Wow. And then all of a sudden, you, sh- you just see somebody reading a monotone script, like, hello, everyone. You are here today because you are about to be let go. How do you react?
1: I mean, there's nowhere to go from that but shock, man. Like, e- even in the current climate, the fact that that conversation doesn't happen with your line manager or with the head mm. of the company... And it doesn't happen one to one. Oh, my God. <sighs> knowing, knowing the way that startup people live their lives, like knowing the hours of personal time they would have sacrificed for this company, the mm. weekends, the late nights, like the fact that they didn't have the decency to inform people one to one. I don't care how big your company is. People are giving the majority of their waking hours to your brand to making you a billionaire millionaire. Come on. Come on. That's so out
2: of order. Yeah, but, but, but it's got to be scalable. You know how we do it. you like, have got to have <laughs> oh scalable God. solutions. <laughs> do, <laughs> a <I'm> <laughs> do a mail merge. <laughs> <laughs> do a mail merge. It's horrendous. I don't know how you don't resist the urge to be like, oh, is that how it is yet? Yeah, open up browser, twitter.com.
1: Like, honestly. you
2: whatever at this company, like how dare you blah, blah, blah. Like, well, I mean,
1: clearly, really clearly enough disgruntled people came forward to help this article get written, right? Like, yeah. Right apparently there's like another, uh, news platform that actually first broke the story of the layoffs. They even obtained audio of the meeting. So some people in there were wow. just like, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you. Um, so I thought that was really funny, but how messed um, but up do you think you- it is that companies that treat people like family, like, Hey, we're family. Let's all eat breakfast, lunch and dinner together. Like kind of do a mm. little bit of that kind of brainwashing, like spend all your time here, <laughs> give all your time yeah, yeah, to yeah. this company. And it goes, it suddenly like goes to, oh, I'm one of 400 people on a one-way call being laid off in this very moment. Goodbye. Like, I'm sorry, but but how do they connect the dots there? Like, how do they make sense of both of those contrasting things? Because you're not a
2: family, like there's, you never have been, and you never will be. Like the, that whole concept was a lie from day one. I mean, I don't know if in their internal, you know, dialogue they use that that you know metaphor, but a lot of companies have um, credit where credit's due. Actually, so I think Netflix, their kind of corporate culture, mm-hmm. there has been some backlash against it. But from what I know, one of the precepts is that listen, we're not a family. You are on a sports team, essentially, Got it. and in a sports team, you need to be a performer, right? Like, and you can be dropped from a sports team, right? And as long as that transparency is there then cool. Like don't come around like buddy, buddy with brothers, with family, with sisters. No, it's not that. Cause like if I don't perform, I'm gone and my family can't fire me. And I think we just got to go into there, you know, more eyes wide open and realize this is a transaction and I can be let go. Speaking of um, workplace dynamics, actually, I saw a really cool startup that just launched called Mm -hmm. um, getfrank.com. And essentially it's kind of like a collaborative platform for workers, but workers only. So, uh, essentially, we now live in an era where unions no longer exist. So how do you, as workers, let's say your Uber, uh, not Uber drivers because they're not classified as workers, but let's say your customer service people at, at a specific company, how do you do collective action where you're like, actually, we want our wages to go up? Essentially, it's a platform to do union tactics and union activities without actually having to have a union because it's very hard to, to start one. Um, <laughs> wow. And. Yeah, it's a, I, I mean, I don't know how this company is going to work. I don't know if it's going to be any good. I, it, the implementation might be complete rubbish and it might end up being, you know, uh, complete nonsense, but... Just the principle of like, yeah, maybe we now do need to start getting some more power into workers' hands because the can you know the, the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction that there has to be some kind of tools and solutions. So everybody, check that out. I just at feel like the
1: conspiracy theorist in me is just like waiting for whatever scandal establishment is going to try to pull out to discredit this company.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of companies will ban it. That, that's probably exactly. What will happen. I they'll like add a clause will ban in the it.
1: contract that's like, if you are a part of this, you can't do our job do the job here or something. I mean, I have literally yeah. signed contracts contracts. contracts here in the in the uk so you know i think i mentioned this before but in the eu there's like a limitation on how many hours you can work a week and then when you work for a u.s tech company here in europe you have a clause in your contract that says i waive my right to the eu like fair working hours clause
2: right yeah um so i can imagine them being
1: like i waive my right to join any unions
2: yeah that, that's possible but then it's not technically a union it's just literally like a uh, you know like an asana workspace or a base camp but the only people that can join are the workers but i can imagine some clause that might say you cannot join a platform that excludes managers then that yeah. might be the thing but then i could also see a situation where maybe certain companies start saying listen we're a friendly company to these platforms so like you can work with us as a way and as a way of differentiating yourself as an employer brand you'd be like well we allow frank on our, uh, with our workers. I don't know who knows what the future may, but we need you know, this hold. though.
1: We need this. Like the fact that it's like going to be difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Like things are getting super messed up out there and yeah, we need to protect, we need to protect ourselves as individuals. Cause you know, we don't have whatever these like super diverse portfolios or oh, I've got my shares here, my shares there, la di da di da like, Oh, I'm, you know, CEO of this company on the board of three others you know, the people that make the decisions are living in a completely different version of reality than ourselves. And like, yeah, let's do everything we can to protect our rights and protect our income.
0: Okay, so unless you work at Bird, that exact situation might not have happened to you. However, you might be thinking, is my job secure?
1: Mike, what kind of tips can you give to folks who are still in their early months of a new startup job and wondering whether or not their jobs might be on the
2: line that's a very specific scenario so um somebody i'm close to um, had a job offer that was given to them and um, they quit their job um and then obviously this whole situation has gone down and then they're absolutely terrified thinking oh my lord is my job disappearing is my new job gone right so they spoke to the recruiter um and obviously thank the lord everything worked out they still had the job on the line but you know what theoretically speaking it could have happened where they were like listen we're scaling back I work and build a recruitment platform, Pocket Jobs, quick plug. Um, and I've had companies reaching out saying, listen, we are scaling back hiring right now. Can we pull down our jobs? Like, we're kind of terrified. No one knows what's really going on. So if you yeah. are in a job and you've just joined a startup, I think, to be honest, you are probably, there are people obviously in worse situations. You're still one of the lucky ones in the sense that you still have some gainful employment. Um but I would be worried if, if I'm in a startup that's not profitable, um, that maybe uh, was in a growth mode and wasn't necessarily concerned about having cash on reserves and was just hiring, hiring, hiring. Now it might be rocky waters. Um, yeah. It's been a while since I've worked. I've been my own boss for quite some time, so it's been a while since I've worked um, and had to kind of, uh, worked within a startup and had to kind of, like, speak to people's higher-ups and say what's going on. But yeah. now now might be the time to be like, what is the prognosis with this company? Like, how, like. Like, are we that's, cutting back? Uh, is my job secure? you got to be frank and open and honest right now. Yes. Um, I don't know. Is uh,
1: I, I think like, that's really great advice. I think for most of us, we work in startups. We probably all get to go to all hands meetings. Um, we probably have access to dashboards and analytics. Most of the time, <laughs> I'm speaking from my own experience, you know, most of the time when I've been in companies, I've only looked at the metrics that related to my role, job. my right, team, yeah. my KPIs. Right. But in times of uncertainty, now is like really the time to start looking at the whole picture. And Mm. you should have an indication of what the runway is of your company, like your current burn rate with how much money you've got in the bank or how much revenue is coming in. Are you sustainable? Do you have six months left to operate? 12 months, 18 months? I think the really, really hard thing as someone that has been in a startup that was trying to raise, trying to raise and then ended up laying off lots of people a few years ago. Mm. No one will really tell you if things are bad. Um, you. And, you know, even when I worked at Groupon, you know, after the IPO and then after a few months, then the stock price started tanking. We also had to tighten ship a bit. And that meant laying people off. And once the rumors started in the press, a lot of people on my team were like, oh, my gosh, are there going to be layoffs in our in our department? And I was like, no, of course not. But I knew that there were going to be, but I was, <laughs> I was explicitly told that I couldn't tell anyone because then people would panic oh. and then people would quit and they do not want the good people quitting. They want the good people to stay and they want the weak people to get managed out. And, you know, wow. I'm just trying to be transparent. I'm just trying to be honest. So I would say, you know, all of the advice that you shared is right. Like just have the conversations, get the numbers, get the data and uh, think about that.
2: Yo, this is Michael. Quick announcement. This episode is sponsored by Basecamp's new email service. Hey, if you know anything about me, you know the good people at Basecamp have been a major influence on my career, from learning how to bootstrap to the benefits of remote work. I remember reading their book, Rework, in my early 20s and thinking, this is how I want to build my company, and hey presto, that's how I did it. Now with Hey, they've rebuilt email from scratch, and if your inbox is anything like mine, you're going to love it. Here's a few features that I think are absolutely dope. First, you can rename a subject so it makes sense for you without changing things for the other person. You can screen emails like you can screen calls. You can find files without digging through threads. There's a built-in reply layer workflow. You can block email tracking and you can send massive files without having to use any other apps. There's so many more features that are absolutely amazing, but you got to go check it out. So go to hey.com and then send Basecamp a tweet if you can, at Basecamp, and tell them Tekesh was the plug. Appreciate that. Cheers.
0: In this section, Michael and Abadesi talk to a group of 18 to 24-year-olds about getting their first job.
1: I'm a big believer that if you want something you should put in every iota of energy to get it so that if you don't get it, you know you couldn't have done anything differently. Does that make sense? So that's, that's on each of us as individuals. But every time you go for an opportunity, you get to decide how much effort you're going to put in based on how badly you want it. And every time before you hit send or before you you know put your interview notes away and you head into that room... You have to ask you have to be able to tell yourself and this is what I do I have to be able to tell myself there is nothing I would do differently right now like I have prepared to the best of my ability if this doesn't work out I know it's not through any fault of my own and I think that's just the best way to gauge it like there are times where you're just like this is this is as much as I'm willing to put in because that is as much as I that's how much I care about it and and that's when you know the things that you really really want because for the things that you really really want you find that time and you find that energy and you can go into it thinking I wouldn't have done it any differently. And there are other times where you're just like, yeah. To be honest, I probably could have worked harder, but I don't think I did because I don't think I did work harder because it just it wasn't my vibe or whatever. So that's kind of how I make peace with it.
2: Um, I think my answer is a bit different in the sense that um, when I was younger, people would say to me like, oh, yeah, life's gonna laugh at your plans. What does that mean? is like you're gonna have the best laid intentions, and a lot of times, you know, you're gonna get beat up by life to a certain extent. It's not gonna go exactly as you want. Um, So I had to become a bit more zen about what is the actual outcome that I wanted. So let's say I wanted to be an entrepreneur, make millions of dollars by the time I was 30. Like, I can't necessarily control that outcome. All I can control is my efforts. All I can control is the process. So you hear people say, like, oh, my goals for the year is I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. But you can't necessarily control your goals. All you can say is, like, once a month, every month, I'm going to... Re- do this many job applications, I'm going to do this many side projects that I might turn into a business, I'm going to do this many hours of reading on a certain subject and that's all I can control, all I can control is my inputs, so the outcome it's not really up to me you know what I'm saying, life might have different plans for me, I don't know So, and that's what I found because like this company that I'm running now uh, wasn't something that I would have imagined myself doing when I was in university when I was in university I was much more um, less concerned with social good, to be honest, I was much more focused on I'm trying to get this bread, I'm trying to get this money, like what any company will do, whatever, whatever. And then as I got older, I kind of changed my philosophy and then I kind of fell into this and it was all happenstance, do you see what I'm saying? And I got in the end to where I wanted to get to, but just by a completely different route. So sometimes having too much passion about a specific outcome, it can be painful because you're not necessarily always going to get what you expect. So all you can control is your, your inputs. And just like, as long as you're content with like, yo, I did this, I did this, I did this, whatever happens, so be it.
1: I was also going to say, like, remember that in interviews, people can't read your mind. Like, it doesn't matter if you spent all weekend reading about the CEO, listening to every podcast the marketing team made. If you go into that room and you don't talk about the things you've learned or share the things you've heard, they're not going to know you did that. Yeah. And if you at the very end go, oh, I want this so badly, I spent the whole weekend, blah, 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 that's not the time to share it. The time to share that is like when you are in the conversation, when you're being asked the questions, throw in those nuggets, like, throw in those tidbits. But you know, when I think back to my first interviews, all the best stuff was still in here. I never rehearsed it enough to actually like get it out. And like you know, you're pitching yourself really in an interview. You're pitching yourself and why they should pick you over everyone else. So don't forget that. Uh,
2: yeah, everything is um, everything is sales. It sounds really silly, but like you're going to have to sell yourself. You're going to have to sell whatever you're working on. You're going to have to sell your vision. Um, and like a lot of us come from backgrounds and cultures where you grow up where you're meant to be seen not heard and like maybe your parents just say like yo be quiet man like the adults are talking you gotta get over that you just gotta be able to go out there and speak your mind and say what you have to do and, and, and pitch because that's actually something that I had to unlearn growing up because like, I wasn't that confident speaking and, and, and saying what I thought my opinion was whereas I saw a lot of average super confident people all of a sudden they were getting the promotion because they were the only ones putting their hands up to speak and you just gotta drop that hard wiring and unlearn that and just get used to just being like, this is what I think, um, I'm willing to learn about it. and this is what I've done, this is what I've learned, this is the podcast that I listen to and yeah, don't no one can read your mind like I've said how do you arrange your time off during the week? Do you take a full weekend off or just a day off? What do you do to relax and recharge? And how do you use this time to zoom out from your day-to-day business concerns and think more strategically?
1: So I I think about this a lot because I love reading like productivity books and productivity hacks and all this kind of stuff. And then I just start to realize how ad hoc uh, my own life is and my approach to Mm. discipline is. Um, so for me, I mean, come on, lockdown life is weird, right? Like I can't really distinguish between weekends and and weekdays anymore, except I wake up a lot later on some part of them. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think for me, it's just about, um, you know, I would say like my weekdays are very scheduled. Like my weekdays Mm -hmm. are very scheduled. So I, I block out time to like, to do work, to write, to pitch, whatever I need to do. Uh, And then on my weekends, my time is like way less structured. If I feel like doing work, like writing or emails or whatever, I will do it, but that would only be if I like have finished doing other things that I felt were more important for the time. So, you know, that just works for me. I don't really have any issues with that. Um, And then in terms of um, how I find time for strategic stuff, I think for me, just making sure that I'm actually doing lots of things that are not work related. So I was just talking to Michael about this before we recorded. I spend a lot of time reading uh, fiction Mm -hmm. um, or like sitting in my garden or painting or whatever. And, I feel that on a subconscious level, your brain is always turning over ideas and connecting the dots. And so for me, that big picture thinking actually comes like when I'm not doing work and like somewhere in my brain, some synapses kind of go off and I'm like, Oh, that's quite a good idea. Let me write that down. Also always have a notebook or like somewhere you can write things down in. Um, what was the other one? (laughs) I can't even remember now. Uh,
2: I think you pretty much covered it. Like how do you relax and recharge and like, how do you allocate your time? Oh yeah. And
1: then relax and recharge. I mean, um, for me, I just, um, I feel like I'm so freaking ordinary. Like, you know, when people are just like, Oh my God, I want to know like what Bill Gates does to stay productive. Like, I just don't think like uh, learning about the habits of other people will necessarily make you better and I think for me how I rest and recharge is very personal to me and what I like to do so it can be so many different things like if I haven't been outside I need to go outside if I haven't exercised I need to work out if I haven't read then I need to do some reading so there are just certain things that really help me like recharge my batteries and they're just things that personally fulfill me and make me feel really good but you know they might not work for you because you're a different person
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's an element of full by Randomness, like in a lot of this stuff. So full by Randomness was a book by Taleb and essentially... Oh my
1: um, God, you're bro. It's like... You're bromance. Yeah, I'm a bro.
2: (laughs) My bromance. (laughs) Um, What do you call it? It's like, uh, so for example, at my previous startup, they would be like, we're going to do stand-up meetings because they do that at Google. But like, that actually isn't why Google was successful. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So, so sometimes asking, like, asking for these tips and tricks about how do we do this? How do we do that? That's probably not the secret sauce. Like, and you should just do whatever works for you. I love that. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it doesn't actually, what we do in, the, in those kind of small, small things probably doesn't have any material impact on the large scale. It just works for us, but it might not work for you. And I want thank, so don't get too caught up in like, yeah. Bill Gates does this, so I have to do that. Like, no, not necessarily. I
1: would also say that like, if I look at my most productive days, they're quite different. So that to me suggests that like, sometimes I thrive when I break my routine. Like sometimes my most productive days have been days where I've like woken up, made a cup of tea and gone straight to the laptop and just done like three hours flow state energy, boom. But other times my most productive days have been like when I messed around for ages, like spoke to friends, Mm. did a bit of this, did a bit of that. And then suddenly at four o'clock, like a bit of work anxiety hit me and I was like, wow, let's just go for this. And then all of the things that happened to me earlier in the day Spark all these amazing ideas, and then just like boom, 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 boom. But I definitely, yeah, I, you know, again, so I, I can't put a template to that. But when the flow state of energy hits you, like when you get into that deep focus vibe, do not interrupt it. Just keep running Mm. forward because I think so many times we like like in being like a flow state of like just really like in the zone getting stuff done and then like i don't know our phone will go off or whatever like when that happens to me i'm just like do not disturb mode because i'm gonna run for this because like suddenly you have like super productive stretch of a few hours even more productive than the day before do you know what i mean Mm. so yeah don't underestimate those uh in the zone moments and how you can make the most of them
0: well that is it for today's episode guys i really hope you got a lot from today's episode please do join in the conversation on twitter hashtag techish support the show on patreon give this show a review of course five stars and tune in next week for another themed episode see you soon peace